Hey ladies, and welcome to the Water with Lemon podcast. This is Emma Cook, your host, and I am so glad you are here listening today. This is a podcast by a 20-something for 20-somethings in hopes that we can be encouraged, inspired, and challenged in this crazy time of life. So grab something refreshing and let's get going. Hey gals, today I get to talk with Lauren Kinney about the Lord's delight in our obedience and the fear that often comes along with that obedience. I am so thankful for her vulnerability and willingness to share her story for the building up of her brothers and sisters. So let's get to it. All right, well, let's get going. Hey, Lauren, thank you so much for coming on the Water with Lemon podcast. I'm so excited to have you today. Hey, Emma, thanks so much for having me on. Yes, it's been a while since I've had an actual 20-something on the show. Usually I bring on like older, wiser women and I love them so much and they always bring such good wisdom, but I'm excited to just have like a 20-something on 20-something chat today. I'm so excited. Big shoes to fill, but I'm pretty excited to be here. So thanks for, <laughs> that, thanks for yeah. having me on. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about what the life of Lauren is like right now. Sure. Well, if we haven't met for your listeners, my name is Lauren Kinney. And essentially what I do, Emma, is help people see past their fear and discover a life of freedom through writing and blogging. I'm a new author. My book, Unshakable, just came out at the end of May. And it's full of practical, actionable strategies on how to overcome this fear that so many 20-somethings have been stuck in for so long Mm. and start living in the freedom of who God made them to be. So I grew up in Arlington, Texas, and then I moved to Waco a few years ago for college at Baylor University. And I know you are an Aggie, so (laughs) I love you. Not too far down the road. (laughs) Amazing. And I'm actually getting ready to graduate this semester. So truly making each moment count as these final weeks of school countdown. Yeah, that's quite quite a final semester slash year of college to finish off in the world we are living in right now. For sure. What's been like the, you know, what's just kind of like the overall theme for you, you know, of just this year and trying to like finish out school amidst a, pande- a pandemic? Absolutely. I've been really grateful. Baylor is still having in-person classes. And mm-hmm. so it feels as normal as it can be right now. But I think so many people right now want to go ahead and skip to 2021. And my biggest fear, Emma, right now for 20-somethings is that we will see this time as wasted Mm -hmm. and it's not wasted. And so for me, it's just meant treasuring the little joys like kayaking and sunset walks on our bear trail on campus and doing Mm -hmm. little things like that have really made the difference. And I want, I want to make this year count. And so Mm. it's really been focusing on those little joys that will make this year worth it. Yeah, it's so true. It's so easy to like get caught up in what is hard right now. And, you know, that's all that media and different avenues are just putting in our ears right now is like how horrible 2020 is and just all the devastation of it. And it's like, man, we're not talking about all of the like little joys that are in there because there are so many things about this year and what, um, even just slowing down has allowed. And so, yeah, I agree with you. It can be so easy to just like get wrapped up into what is, you know, hard about this when truly there is so much that is 
just so beautiful about it. And, and, you know, we don't want to waste it away and just skip to the next year. So that is a totally good point. Mm. So would you kind of just tell us a little bit more about just your 20s so far? What does it look like? Like, what would you say have been kind of, you know, the good parts and then some of some of the things maybe you've been struggling with in your 20s? Sure. Well, my college experience didn't go at all like I expected. Instead Mm -hmm. of these lifelong friends, social events every weekend, maybe a fun date with a cute guy every once in a while, a new BFF roommate, which I loved, Mm -hmm. I found myself feeling more lonely, afraid, and overwhelmed by anxiety than I ever had in my life. Mm -hmm. And it was through losing control, showing up when it's hard, overcoming this constant pressure that so many 20-somethings feel to be perfect and not living for the approval of others, things started to change my life. Mm. But it was dealing with these shattered expectations, Emma. It was that that left me questioning who I was, who God was, why I even came to college, because it was never supposed to look this way. I don't think any college student ever would expect to feel anxiety or loneliness. And so that's why I wrote Unshakable, so that college students and other 20-somethings can stop living in fear and start living in the freedom of who God made them to be. Mm, And one of the things I wrote about in the book, Emma, was that I hate the first four chapters of the book, which is probably something you've (laughs) never heard from an author. And it's because they were hard. They were not these picture perfect moments I wanted to post on Instagram. They didn't tell all these lifelong friends I thought I would have by now. And it was during that writing process that I found myself, it was one Sunday afternoon. I had my copy of my manuscript in front of me and I was sick of rereading these first four chapters because (laughs) they told of roommate conflict, these breakup tears. There were questions that I didn't have answers for. There were so many things that were wrong that I simply didn't know how to make right. And I remember telling a friend even earlier that week that this book would be incredible if I just wiped those first four chapters out because I was so afraid that people would shut the book and stick it back on the shelf before they even got to the good parts. Mm. And so how, how could I make sure to stay in those good parts of my life? And it was in that moment that I just told God, God, I want people to read this book but I really want people to see you in this book. Mm -hmm. And I feel so afraid right now that they won't even get through the first four chapters. And (laughs) it was right then that he said, Lauren, I am present in the first four chapters too. And that has, that has rung true through my entire life. Um, The first Mm -hmm. time I, I heard God speak, I was nine. Um, I was riding my bike with one of my younger brothers and um, we were just around the block and I heard a tire screech, which was not out of the ordinary. Um, and I remember just hearing this voice in my head, Emma, that said, Lauren, you need to go back, go back Mm. to your house. And so I told my brother, Hey, I, I don't know what's going on, but I just have this feeling we need to go back to the house. And we turned the corner and my dad was holding my brother who had been run over by a truck moments earlier. Mm. Um, he had come out of a driveway and a friend had run over him just completely accidentally. And it was in that moment, Emma, that I realized God's voice is a one I can trust. Mm -hmm. And I I didn't know I was nine. I didn't know at that point that was um, God speaking, but that was a pivotal moment for me, knowing God is sovereign and he has a voice that can be trusted. And so for anyone listening today that that is a 20-something and is feeling so confused or overwhelmed right now, just with the current circumstances you're in, 
God's voice is one you can trust and he is present in your first four chapters too. Mm. And maybe you're smack in the middle of these really hard times right now, or you are thriving in the next eight chapters of your life. But the same God who was showing up in the next eight is the same God who was redeeming the last four. Mm. And to discount those painful parts of my story, like in Unshakable, would be to discount God's goodness and God's grace. Mm. Because God doesn't ever stop redeeming our story. And what I'm figuring out right now as I'm 21 is the more real I become, the more Jesus is revealed in my story. And so people who are listening right now who are in their 20s or their 30s or even their 70s, man, -hmm. I want you to know that God is present. He hasn't left you. He is with you. And the more real you are with him and the people around you, the more he is revealed in your story. And that's a lesson I want to cling to for the rest of my life. Yes, ma'am. Preach it. That's right. (laughs) That's so good. And, you know, I laughed when I read the first line of your book. It was like, I hate the four chapters of the first four chapters of this book. I was like, that is such an interesting way to start off your book. Um, But I totally see like where you're coming from in it is so hard to talk about the messy parts. It is so difficult to um, be vulnerable and be open about what what has been hard and what, um, like you said, is maybe not Instagram worthy. Uh, and so just your vulnerability to speak out in those areas and to say, hey, you know, God is in those moments too. And sometimes I think he's even more in those moments that are harder and that because we are clinging even closer to him. And so I'm thankful for your obedience just to to be open about that and to say like, hey, this is this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about the hard parts. And so, you know, you um, wrote Unshakable, and I just would like to know kind of your journey leading up to it. You've told us a little bit about, you know, the process of writing, and so what kind of led you to it? Will you tell us a little bit about the journey? Sure. Well, I started journaling when I was in elementary school. I think it was around third grade, mm-hmm. and writing has always been this release for me. So growing up when things were happening around me that I didn't understand or know how to process, I would pull out my journal and I would write about them. And that wasn't something that stopped in elementary school, but actually carried over through junior high and high school and now college. And it was during my freshman year at Baylor that I struggled so badly to find real genuine community. And so I made a rule that I would take three people to coffee a week. And as I began sitting across from these people, they began to share that they were struggling badly with the very same issues that I was, fear, crippling anxiety, loneliness. And these were the very people that I thought surely had it all together. Mm. And that was when I started to realize sharing my story could help people. Mm. And so if I, if I don't tell my story, then how many other high school, college students, young adults are going to keep living in fear? And can I help one person trade fear for freedom? And one, one thing about just the writing process through Unshakable was that I believed a lot of lies about myself. And one of the things I learned during that process was that I need to believe truth about myself if I am going to write as truthfully and to be as raw and real as I can. And so some of the lies that are constantly in my head are things like, I'm a failure. I'm a fraud. No one cares about my story. No one will read my story. 
I'm not worthy of being heard or known or loved or trusted, or I'm just a fill in the blank. I'm just a college student. I'm just a 20 something. Mm. I'm just not old enough. I'm not experienced enough. I'm clueless. I have no idea what I'm doing. And so many of us right now have a fill in the blank. We have an excuse for, you know, a dream God has maybe put on our hearts or something we want to pursue. And we keep making excuses for it. And Emma, my value has often come from what I do instead of who I am. I'm a total Enneagram three. And so (laughs) knowing truth about myself and speaking it over myself while I write completely changed that narrative. And so instead of believing those lies, I chose to say, Lauren, you are a college student, but you have a voice that needs to be heard. And people who are listening are also capable of that too, because they are strong and they are capable. And so if anyone listening right now has a dream that God has put on their heart, maybe you want to write a book. Maybe you want to do something else that feels crazy to your peers. I want to challenge you to look that excuse in the eye and call it out for the lie that it is. Because most of the time it's not worth stopping you and it's not worth waiting. And so many people are waiting for this perfect time, but the truth is there will never be a perfect time to start. It's never going to look perfect. It's never going to look the way we thought it would. So start today. And Emma, my Mm -hmm. book, it didn't start when we began putting the chapters together. It started in elementary school when I started writing. And, you know, as a sixth grader, I wasn't writing a thousand words at a time. I was just writing about that cute camp counselor and other, you know, middle school drama. But but I just started. And so that's been just a huge takeaway for me um, as I have come into contact with so many college students who have similar dreams of writing a book or doing something else that, again, feels so crazy to the people around us. But we just need to start. We need to keep showing up and starting and taking one step. Just take one step today um, and, just, and just start because those steps in the end will add up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, I think sometimes we also um, maybe buy into the lie that it has to be something big. You know, it's got to be, I've got to create um, a book that X amount of people read. I've got to start a business that will um, immediately be successful uh, within the next year or two years. I've got to X, Y, Z um, and thinking you know, it has to jump off right off the bat. And uh, this dream that he's placed in my heart, you know, we have expectations for that. And so what what does it look like to just trust God? Like you said, just one step in front of the other, but just choosing to say yes. And like you said, it started for you when you were so little and you had no idea that you know, 20-year-old you would be starting to write a book and 21-year-old you would be, you know, releasing a book. And But he started that early on and growing you and growing you and um, preparing you for this and for such a time as this. And so, you know, God may be growing people now into something that he's going to use in the future and just being so assured of that. Um, so, you know, I love just the theme of your book and just hearing the journey about what led you to write it. And, you know, fear is something that, you know, cripples all of us. And especially in the season and the just world state that we are in right now, um, 
And I know that for myself as well, I remember looking back into my freshman year at college, that, that was a super hard year anxiety-wise for me as well. I mean, it was like waking up in the middle of the night with severe panic attacks and just trying to figure out what life looks like on your own is, is super hard and, and how to establish community. And there's just so many things that are so hard about it and, and fear is so crippling. So can you kind of just give us an inside look into, you know, what, what are things looking like for your friends right now, you and your friends and just the people that you see around you in uh, the college community, you know, what, what is life like for you guys? Well, so many things are so uncertain right now, and we can't always control what happens around us. I think yeah. we're learning that right now, but we can control how we react. And so this time has looked like a lot of adapting. I know we've all taken on new roles um, with this season, and it's messy. When I moved home after COVID had kind of started a few months ago, it was the first time all six of my family members had been in the mm-hmm. same house since I graduated college. And yeah. I remember feeling this enormous amount of pressure to be the perfect daughter, the perfect sister, the perfect student who's now online, having to work all of those kinks out, and then trying to be the perfect life group leader for the community group that I lead back in Waco online. I mean, there were so many different roles that I wanted to be perfect in. And so one thing I'm seeing right now is how easy it is to blame others when we can't perfectly handle the things we can't Mm. control. And so instead of playing this blame game, I see so many people playing and I'm guilty of it too. I'm starting to ask myself, okay, Lauren, where's the good? What good can I see in this situation? Um, And then there's, there's lots and lots of patience and lots and lots of grace with that. But my roommate challenged me a few weeks ago to start thanking God for more things than I was asking of God. And so instead of waking up and praying the first request that comes to mind, which if we're being honest is normally, God, will you help me do well on this test today, which I haven't studied for? (laughs) I normally start by saying, God, thank you for the joy of waking up today. Thank you for the beautiful weather outside. Thank you that I have food in my fridge to eat today. This morning, Emma, I said, thank you for letting me record a podcast with Emma because she is making a major impact for your kingdom. Thank you for letting me get to talk with so many incredible people who want to run after God's own heart. And so choosing Mm -hmm. thankfulness over playing this blame game completely shifts the narrative. And we touched on this earlier, Emma, but I think the worst thing people can do right now is believe that this is wasted time because we all want to skip to 2021, but the habits we're building right now are the ones that are going to carry over into 2021. Uh, A friend of mine says, there's nothing magical about January 1st. We don't change as people. We don't get a redo. And so I want to make sure what I'm doing right now is a best habit I can be building up to carry over into 2021. And there is no such thing as wasted time in the kingdom of God. And even if we look at the lowest of lows and the most victorious moments in the Bible, we can look at Esther's time in the king's castle, or we can look at when Paul and Silas were thrown into prison. God was still moving. And I don't want to miss what he's doing right now, just because I think it's waste of time. There was a picture I posted of myself on Instagram a few weekends ago, and it actually took me a few months to post. You know, some things are are meant for Instagram, and some things you just want to keep close to you. And, you know, I I don't think that 
some special things in life are meant to be plastered all over our socials. But there's this picture of me I took it in February sitting in my car and I'm beaming with my fist in the air because in that moment, I felt like I was winning. I had just finished my first interview about Unshakable, and I just felt alive for the first time in a long time. And I love looking at that picture because it reminds me what it feels like to win. But <laughs> if I'm really being honest with you, I don't look that way today. Um, I'm feeling a mix of loss and grief mm. and disappointment. There's joy, there's excitement, and there's sentiment as I finish this last semester at Baylor. But yeah. I want to know that this time isn't wasted. And so I'm focusing on just the small joys right now. I mean, postseason baseball is on right now. Um, <laughs> I have my my cutout in the Rangers Stadium that my sweet boyfriend got me as a gift. There's oh my goodness. concerts. There's there's all of these opportunities to try new things. And in those trying new things, God is revealing himself to us in new ways. There's making more room for rest. He's doing a new thing, just like it says in Isaiah 43. And ultimately, this isn't what we wanted. It isn't what any 20-something wanted for their life right now, but it's what we got. And so why wouldn't we take it and run with it? Because God is using every moment. Mm -hmm. It's like, you don't want to look back and say, yeah, that was horrible. And I complained the whole time. And yeah, that made it so much better to complain the whole time and just think about everything that was horrible about it. Yeah, that was so fruitful. No, like you're going to look back on this season and say, yeah, there were things about it that were tough, but ultimately being able to instead say, but here's what God did. And here's what was just brought me so much joy. Um, that's what has fruit in it. That's you know, that's what's going to last and to, and to impact other people as well when you're able to look back at the season. And, um, you know, I just love that for you and just being able to, to think of it that way and to just be a light among um, other students around you that, yeah, a lot of them probably just kind of feel totally lost in this season of like, this is not how it's supposed to be. Um, so let's kind of go back a little bit to just feeling like burdened with fear and anxiety and um, maybe just, you know, talk to that girl um, that maybe is just feeling so overwhelmed right now. Talk to that uh, college student who, you know, is maybe a freshman and has no idea what's going on. Talk to the one that um, is just just completely overwhelmed by what is going on right now and what what would you say to them? Sure. Well, we all want to be fearless in every aspect of our life. So it's completely understandable how so many students feel nervous and anxious Mm -hmm. and worried, not to mention these parents who are also frustrated and this loneliness, which is leading to um, so many in isolation. And when I'm feeling overwhelmed with anxiety, I actually have just a three-step framework that I've coined fight the fear. And it's, it's really simple, Emma, but it's, it's changed how I deal with anxiety. And, you know, we all have caught ourselves in a moment, whether we are feeling um, just so anxious or about to have an anxiety attack, or just wish we could, you know, press a big red button and skip the next 24 hours because of a test or a conversation we're going to have with someone. And so this has really helped, but step one for me, it sounds so simple, but it's just breathe. And The reason I say that is because it can be so hard to calm your mind and your thoughts. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, we wish we could just turn our brains off, but 
I, in those moments, try to take five deep breaths and say the name of Jesus out loud. And that, that has power in itself. Um, just saying, okay, Jesus, Jesus, I know you are here. I know you are with me. Um, I've struggled with insomnia for years and Mm. that alone when I'm sleeping has been a complete game changer. And it it sounds so simple, but it just helps focus your thoughts, not on your to-do list, not on replaying that conversation with someone you had earlier today, but simply on the name of Jesus. And then step two is talk to yourself instead of listening to yourself. And there's a huge difference between the two. So when you listen to yourself, you're most likely feeding yourself lies. Like, why did I make that stupid comment at dinner the other night? Everyone thinks I'm an idiot now. Or why did I fail that test? I'm incapable. I'm a fraud. I'm a failure. And you know, the list goes on. It's endless. Mm -hmm. And this is when you change the narrative. When you decide to say, okay, I am going to choose not to focus on that conversation I keep replaying or that never ending to-do list or how I'm going to keep that streak of perfection in the grade book so I don't disappoint my parents or my boyfriend. This is when you say, okay, I am not in control, but God is. This is an opportunity for me to loosen my grip and give into the plan that God has. And I feel incapable, but I know who is capable and that's Jesus. And simply saying his name out loud is so powerful. And then step three, Emma, is just quit faking it. Chances are you've hidden your fear or your loneliness or anxiety for weeks or months, and you haven't told anyone because you don't want to ruin your perfection streak. And so drop the mask. When we quit faking it, let someone in, fear doesn't get to keep us from moving. And that's when things really start to change. Um, Mm -hmm. During my freshman year, I really wanted to go to this worship night on campus and I had texted about eight people to see if I could go with them. And they all said no. And that really Mm -hmm. felt like a punch in the gut because I was so paralyzed by fear and I just didn't want to show up alone, but Mm -hmm. I went anyway, tears and all. I had my snotty napkin, um, my mascara dripping down my face. And I showed up anyway, it was at the Baylor track field. Mm -hmm. And I remember making my way up to the metal bleachers. And I was just looking for someone who might be alone. And I noticed this girl who was sitting a little bit higher to me on the right. And I asked if I could sit by her and she said, yes. So I sat down, not, you know, super close to her, but close enough to where it would look like we would be together. Cause I didn't want to freak her out. And just as the chorus to the first song began, I looked over and she was gone. Hmm. And it was that moment I thought, man, this is, this is bad. Like, why did I come? I shouldn't have shown up. This is such a waste of my time. And about an hour later, the speaker ended his sermon and he told the audience, Hey, it's church night. If you are a freshman or even a senior and are not a member of a local church, all of these churches have booths outside, go, Hmm. go check them out. Um, and I remember walking down the bleachers and really trying to make my way to my car. And my feet, Emma, I think it was the Holy Spirit, but my feet just took a few steps forward and I ended up in front of a local church booth. And on that note, I think it's so funny how complicated we make bravery out Mm. to be because it looks, it often looks so far ahead in front of us. And sometimes we just need to take a few steps forward. So I walk up to this booth and there is this girl wearing a red flannel and round glasses. And she steps out from behind the table. And I love that because she, she was just willing to meet me exactly where I was. There wasn't, wasn't like this, you know, perfection distance between us. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And we, we talked a little bit. I said, Hey, we should go to coffee. And we did go to coffee and we kept going to coffee. And that girl ended up being my roommate for the next two years of college. Mm. And I say that today because God delights when we say yes, yeah. when, when we simply say yes, and we walk in faith full obedience. And Emma, you touched on this earlier. So many 20-somethings feel like they have to come up with the next new invention, the next bestseller book. And honestly, at the end of the day, I think God just wants faithful obedience. And he delights when we say yes. And most of the time that means showing up and trusting him. And so many times there's, you know, there's times we get in the car and we cry more. We never hit the gas pedal and we cave into fear, Mm -hmm. but only God is able to transform this fear into an invitation. And it's an invitation to see more of who he is. It's an invitation into his heart and his love for you. And I think it starts with showing up. It takes grits. It takes guts. We know it takes a heck ton of courage. But the more real I became, the more Jesus was revealed in my story. And so to any 20-something right now who is feeling paralyzed by fear or overwhelmed with anxiety, man, I mean, remember those three steps to breathe, talk to yourself, don't listen to yourself. And then step three is quit faking it, drop the mask, let a friend in. And and just remember that, man, the more real you become, the more Jesus is revealed in your story. And I remember sitting down with, you know, my future roommate in those next few weeks and laying my cards out on the table and just saying, I did not think I was going to feel this way. I feel just overwhelmed with this anxiety and this loneliness. It was not supposed to be this way. I don't even know if I'm at the right school. Mm. And she had a choice, Emma. She could have said, oh, Lauren, this is too much for me. I'm, I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. But it was in that moment I had to choose to say, okay, take me as I am. And, and it's, it's risky. It's so risky, but it's worth it. Because there is going to be someone who is struggling with the exact same things that you are. And if you don't share your story, then who will? Mm, that is so good. And I I loved hearing just the full story behind it too of like saying yes is hard and, and even the journey to get to where um, you did meet somebody who saw you and heard you. That was hard too. And, and then taking the next step even after that to continue to be vulnerable. And all of that is hard. I think a lot of times we're like, we are stuck in fear. We are stuck in anxiety and loneliness and just feeling um, totally and completely without hope. And, um, and that's where the enemy wants us to stay, like you were saying, and, and, but it's choosing to say yes. And so, you know, it is hard, but it is worth it, like you share in your story. And so thank you just for speaking about it. Thank you for um, just being willing to talk about this. And I know so many ladies are going to relate in this way. And so let's go ahead and jump into the last three questions. And these are questions that I ask every guest that comes on the show. So the first one I usually ask to guests who have been through their 20s, been there, done that, and they look back and say, okay, what's one thing I kind of wish I knew? So let's change this for you to be, um, you know, one, what is one thing, um, that God has really taught you uh, in your twenties so far? Sure. Emma. Well, 
two summers ago, I was getting really bored. All my friends were doing really cool things like working at camp or traveling abroad. And I was doing business calculus and macro and microeconomics, which is the summer of everyone's dreams. (laughs) And I remember feeling so unworthy and just so bored, honestly. So many of my friends were out making a difference and I didn't feel like I was. So I started asking God, hey, will you give me a way to love people really big? And immediately he gave me this idea to write all my contacts a handwritten letter. And um, the amount of contacts I had at the time was about 500. So I am slightly overwhelmed, (laughs) but I'm an Enneagram three, right? So I am determined to hit this goal. So I order 500 of these super cute note cards and I make this Excel spreadsheet and I go to Starbucks because where else do you do your best writing? And I'm sitting there writing away and Emma, I looked at my watch and it had been three hours and I had written eight cards over the course of three hours. And so these letters that I assumed would be really surface level, um, because there were a lot of people on that list, I'll be really honest with you, that had hurt me, um, who I hadn't talked to in years. And so I honestly was kind of getting mad at God that they were on the list in the first place. But these letters that I assumed would be really surface level actually had me searching for more space to write, even after I had filled the whole front and back. And I began pouring out my heart to people I had maybe talked to twice in my life. Hmm. And it's so easy as a 21-year-old to look at the future and be overwhelmed by you know, your next job, your next boyfriend, your next paycheck. You fill in the blank. And I feel that pressure right now as I'm getting ready to graduate. But it was in that moment two summers ago, it became way less about making the deadline than taking the time to speak words of truth over people. And if it took me five years, I was still in and I haven't finished. And honestly, I really don't care because truthfulness (laughs) and vulnerability run a much longer and impactful race than rush words. And so that's how writing has really changed me. And that is the one lesson I want to remember, you know, here on and continuing is that I'm no longer looking for these rushed conversations with people, but I'm looking for meaning and for truth and for vulnerability. Hmm. That's awesome. I think that is so cool. Also hilarious that you only got through eight on your first three hours of doing it, but (laughs) it also just proves (laughs) that clearly like God was giving you words, you know, when you didn't have any, which is really cool. So tell me what you are like reading, listening to, watching, all the things. Okay. I actually just watched The Social Dilemma on Netflix. Oh, yes. I just watched it last week too. I am not a documentary person, Emma, but I really, really, really enjoyed it. I had a friend who convinced me to watch it and it was fascinating. I'm a marketing student too. And Mm, so mm -hmm. that it took on a whole new level for me. Um, I honestly, I have, I've wrestled with Instagram and in my, in my book, I actually talk about, I took three months off of Instagram, um, at a really, what seemed like not a good time. You know, I was trying to release a book and mm. the, the documentary actually just reminded me, should my focus be on, you know, building this platform, um, you know, hitting like 10 K followers so I can have the swipe up option. Or should I really focus on, you know, being vulnerable and being present with the people around me? So it was, it was really interesting. Um, I would encourage anyone listening who hasn't watched it to, to go to Netflix and watch it because it was so interesting. And then my favorite book I've read so far this year has been Maybe You Should Talk to Someone by Lori Gottlieb. 
Hmm. Highly, highly recommend. It um, talks about a therapist um, and her journey of becoming a therapist and then some of her patients' stories. It's fascinating. I am, I'm a fan of counseling, Emma. I think that that's something that's helped me in the past. It's helped a lot of my friends. And so Mm -hmm. getting this inside view from a therapist um, was, it was a really great book. And okay, disclaimer, I am not a reader. So any books I recommend (laughs) are ones I would read five times over because they take me forever to get through. Yeah. And so that, that's a book I would highly recommend. Oh, that's awesome. I'll check it out. And then lastly, what is refreshing you these days? Anything that's just given you life? Sure. Really, it's, it's all the little things. So postseason baseball is on right now. I'm a huge baseball girl. So this is like my favorite part of the year. And then kayaking on the Brazos River in Waco has been mm. really, really, really fun. Baylor has a place, has a little marina where and students can get kayaks and go out. So that's been really fun. And then Peloton workout classes have been yeah. my thing. That's been just such a fun, fun thing to turn on the TV and, and do some yoga or I, I'm branching out into yoga and meditation, which have not been my things in the past because I yeah. can't feel, but it's been, it's been also really helpful with anxiety too. So definitely yeah. um, something to check out. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lauren, for coming on the show today. I just love what you're doing and I'm just so thankful for um, how God is using you right now. So thank you so much. Thanks so much, Emma. I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Lauren Kinney today. I love the phrase she says a couple times throughout the episode. The more real I become, the more Jesus is revealed in my story. The most gracious gift God gives us in our life and the story he's writing with our lives. What a way to testify to his goodness. And I pray that our conversation today encourages you to share your story to others and thank God for the life that he has given you, even throughout the midst of 2020. I am so glad to be with you this week. Stay fresh, my people.